0: Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 49 of A View to a Cocker Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. Every week, we watch an episode of the show. We share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, I've got a quick question for you, bud. Uh, yeah. What's up?
1: How you doing today? Kind of tired. Ain't gonna lie. Beth oh, yeah? was. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how Beth works as a doula. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was at a birth yesterday, from seven a.m. on Saturday to three thirty a.m. On Sunday. Yowza Dowza. Yeah. So she was crazy busy. So I was soloing the twins all day. And uh, there is Matt. I don't think this is something that you would know, but anybody out there who has kids, maybe you know about something called the nine month sleep regression. And what that is, is that your baby sleeps super, super well until they hit nine months. And then when they hit nine months, they start sleeping like newborns again. And it's very, very bad. Oh, and, wow. And yeah. And they slept very poorly. And I was doing it by myself, which is very tiring. But uh, her client did well, and uh, that baby is happy and healthy, and mom is cool. So you know, worth it. All right, all right. That's your like. Uh, that's your heartfelt, heartwarming news of the day. Dave, speaking also, of things the weather's that are
0: Heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we are watching episode forty-nine of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger. It is <laughs> called. Suddenly poor. That was a really good lean-in, because it is a very heartwarming episode. It is. I actually, I kind of forgot it was a heartwarming episode when I decided to go with that transition. But it worked out super well, because this is a heartwarming episode. But Dave, before we get to talking about that, we need to talk about five other things. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars What? Is our first star of the week
1: our first star of the week, Matt? Is that you have joined uh, the collective in a more full way than you had previously? Now, what, to to which collective do you refer? The Apple Collective, Matt. I think you like you're part of the Borg now. Is how that works.
0: Hey, listen, man. You know. When you join the Borg, you get, like, cool superpowers and, like, robot arms and stuff, and everybody loves that. Well, that's true. That's true. You have to fly around in a flying cube.
1: You do have to surrender all of your free will to the Borg, so that's not great. Dave, I think what you're forgetting here is that the other option was that I joined the Google Borg. Like, your
0: options are not Borg or no Borg. Your options are choose which Borg you want to be part of.
1: Okay, well, the Mac Borg that you've joined is the sleeker of the two Borgs, so that's... So, maybe Google is the Borg, and he would be... Mm. Dave, we're talking about sleek Borgs. I've gone full
0: seven of nine over here. (laughs) Anyway, let me actually tell you what I did. I bought a new laptop, guys. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I had been using the same laptop since we started doing this podcast. I actually got it as a hand-me-down from producer Mark because I needed a machine that could, like, run Audacity and Skype. And my previous computer was like, previous to that, was an old netbook. Remember netbooks, Dave? For people Uh, who, like, couldn't afford, like, real laptops, but Chromebooks weren't around yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-Chromebooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had one of those, and just, like, it had stopped working. So I got this hand-me-down laptop from Mark a couple of years ago. Um, But it's been three years, and I was running into this problem where, first of all, every time I turned it on, it wanted to run, like, an hour's worth of updates Because at some point, against my will, I think I mentioned this on the show, it had upgraded itself to Windows 10. But that machine was never intended to run Windows 10.
1: Dude, that
0: is... uh, Yeah, that drives me crazy. Uh, And so there was like an hour's worth of updates that needed to happen every time I turned it on. And then the machine had gotten so loud. Like Like the fan in the machine was working so hard to try to keep it cool that... I you, like, you could hear my laptop on the mic while we were recording sometimes. <laughs> like, Mark had to take that sound out
1: so that you didn't hear the whirring of the machine. Well, no, I'm glad that you have managed to pick that up. Because yeah, no, you're I got... really now, kind of at this point, you're basically an Apple dude. You know, I never really meant to be an Apple dude.
0: When I got a, a smartphone a couple of years ago um, for the first time, I got an iPhone just because, like, I liked the sort of UI a little more. Yeah. And then a few years after that, I bought a secondhand, like, last generation Apple TV from a uh, friend of the show, Bill. Mm. Um, and I realized then, like, oh, these two things plug into each other in, like, new and interesting and fun ways. And then after that, I feel like it was just kind of a matter of time until, like, my, comput- my old laptop had sort of fully died and I needed to get a new one. And now all of my stuff works together. Like, I can text you from my computer, Dave. It's very weird.
1: No, What's you know, man. weird. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying, like, I, I, while fully recognizing that that is a thing that is very cool, mm-hmm. I just, like, I don't dig Apple stuff. Well, I mean, you know, you you have never
0: used the Apple stuff. You know, like, you went in on a different infrastructure.
1: Well, which that's, I, I think mean... is,
0: like, you know, equal but opposite. Well, not opposite. Opposite in some weird ways, actually. Like, mm-hmm. the ways that as I'm using this laptop, I'm like, oh, it just... I'm so used to using a PC that when I run into things that are just, like, small, seemingly needless differences, it kind of infuriates me. Like <laughs> Like, the little cluster of buttons to either, like minimize restore or close a window yeah on the top left of everything why would you even do that i have no idea and what the, what the answer probably is is that's what they did in like the 80s and it's always been that way but i've never used it
1: right and so like no, apple can... and
0: mac or i'm sorry apple and pc have just like stubbornly refused to like commit to doing it on the left or right side i
1: was gonna say dude do you know that if one of them changed sides all the people that use their stuff there would be pitchforks pitchforks and torches if
0: one of them changed sides on that the other one would also have to change sides just to maintain
1: it right like
0: (laughs) just to make sure that they were still different Uh, but yeah no it's very exciting this computer like works and stuff and i'm very happy to have it
1: i love it when stuff works
0: i know uh, we will actually, okay, we're going to talk about that later when we hit the actual episode episode, uh, but in the meantime, Dave, what is our second Star
1: of the Week? So our second Star of the Week, Matt, is the Inhumans. Okay. Okay, I've got, like, You're talking the about tiniest... You talking about Black Bolt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Bolt uh, And Boltagon? specifically, Bla- I love, I will never not love that that is his actual name. You're talking um, about their giant teleporting dog? Well, yeah, I am talking about all those things, man. Specifically, in the context of the TV show, I've got... I've got a... Okay, I have to... I got a tiny rant. Uh, about, oh, wait, who? Sound sound
0: the on here, dudes. It is time for one of Dave's classic rants. Is that...
1: Do I have class, classic rants? I don't feel like I rant that much. <laughs> you don't, Dave. I'm just... Okay, thank goodness. I no, mean, no, no. I just wanted you, to be... Make... You,
0: Dave, do not rant about comic books on the internet that much.
1: Yeah. You,
0: this sort of, the sort of er, like, dude on the internet does rant about comic books a lot, though, so... Okay,
1: listen, I I recognize that, although here is the only thing I will say in my defense is this is not really a comic book rant so much as it is an English teacher rant, Okay, so follow me. Here's the biggest thing. Um, Aside from the fact that the internet seems to be, like, super delighted that this show doesn't actually look super amazing... And are just like, oh, can't wait to dance on the Marvel's failure, which is a weird attitude to have about things that are being made for you, very specific demographic. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, I'm reading a lot of stuff on the internet that is talking about how the Inhumans, and I've seen not just one person say this, like, oh, the Inhumans are just like mutants, but... Marvel can't use mutants because it's, like, owned by Fox, right?
0: Right. Like, the television and movie rights to mutants are owned by Fox.
1: Marvel obviously can use mutants in their comic books. But, like, yes. As far as, like, cinematic stuff goes. They're not allowed to use it. And people are saying, like, oh, this is just, like, a weird tie-in for mutants because they can't do mutants. Blah, blah, blah. Which is wrong. And not just from, like, a comic book perspective, like, canonicity style. Like, no, they're, like, different groups of people and they have powers for different reasons. Which is true. Sure, sure, sure. But that's not... Because, like, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there has been a lot of ways in which, like, the Inhumans have stood in for mutants because they couldn't use mutants. Right. And I recognize that. But this show isn't about random Inhumans that are scattered out, like, in the world. Right. It's not about the concept of, like, Inhumans. Oh, sorry, Inhumans. Yeah. This is not just about Inhumans, like, scattered out in the world. This is about the Inhuman royal family. Right. Like, it is specifically about, like, Black Bolt and Medusa and Triton and all those dudes. Right. And from a narrative perspective, like, from a, like, a literary perspective, I guess, for lack of a better term, they're totally different. Because, because mutants, guys, let me just like, sorry, if this sounds a little like teachery, sometimes it's hard to turn it off. Mutants, like, yeah, there's stories about like racism because they are just people who are out in the world who are like different and other from everybody else. But here's the key thing is that mutants just exist in the world. Like out among standard people, all of a sudden there's mutants who are like right. not understood and like hated and feared. You know the tagline. The huge difference is that the inhuman royal family takes place on Atalan, which is like their home city. It's a society of inhumans. Right. And like some
0: and like it's not just like it's not like Gotham, where it's like it's a made-up city, but it's in America. Right. It is either like in the Himalayas or on the dark side of the moon. Yeah, like, like it
1: is out and separate. And they have an entirely uh insular society that is in fact based around having superpowers. Like it's like a really big element of their culture and society. And so you cannot they're so different narratively because the inhumans are not just kind of out in the world experiencing strangeness and rejection and fear. They're just like, they're just living their lives and they've got like a whole society. And it's, you can't tell the same stories because they're not the same group dynamics as they relate to the larger outside world. Like, in humans, like, yeah, they might get tossed into the outside world. But they are not having an experience that's, or I'm sorry, Inhumans have an experience uh, where they're tossed into the outside world. But they do not interact with that in the same way as a mutant does. Because a mutant understands on some fundamental level that they are like different and other. Whereas an Inhuman is like, uh, I don't know what your guys' problem is, but I am have superpowers. Like I have superpowers and I'm great and amazing. Like what's you, what's your special thing that you hate me because I have superpowers? Like
0: that's a really boring gimmick. You that's should, a, uh, Yeah, that's you a should dumb superpower. Roll up on them Terrigen
1: mists, see what happens to you. <laughs> Probably nothing good. So, anyways, that's just my little thing. Uh, Inhumans aren't mutants, guys. They're just not. De- they're just not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, man, dude, what? you know I I love the Inhumans. Like I, I'm sorry, I love the Inhuman royal family. Oh yeah, um, amazing.
0: The, the, the thing about the Inhumans, though, and the reason that, although I am... Like, I will check this show out. um, The thing that kind of weirds me out, though, is that the Inhumans are really great. Uh, they're, like, a great supporting cast for the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like, they are a cool thing to have, like, on the moon or in the Himalayas. And sometimes they leave and you have to deal with it. And sometimes you have to go there and they have to deal with you. Like... The Inhumans are really good for stuff like that. Just they are off doing their own weird stuff. And sometimes it overlaps with the stuff that like your actual main characters are doing.
1: But as actual main characters, I don't know how compelling they are. I actually, and we've been talking about this for a while and I don't, I think we could just probably talk about this later because it's not super funny. Uh, I actually disagree with you. I think they're super, super interesting and compelling characters. But what, what Matt is our fourth star of the week? Got new gloves, Dave. Oh, that's great for you nice yeah yeah. but these are not just any gloves
0: as you know dave and as many of you listeners know if you've been listening for some time i have what i like to refer to as a signature look and that signature look is that's that fair. at some point years ago i bought a pair of fingerless leopard print gloves i bought them for a dr strange costume i was wearing at the time um and i just started wearing them around the apartment And then I realized that I genuinely liked wearing them, and so I started wearing them out in the world. And let me tell you, Dave, when you wear a pair of leopard print
1: fingerless gloves, like... You get some attention. That's not a look that everyone rolls with. Right. And, like, listen, I I have sort of dealt with the
0: the, the sort of self-doubt about whether or not that is, like doing a weird attention grabby thing but i have just essentially decided to roll with the fact that i have these gloves and i have worn them now for so long that like when when the weather gets cool and i put them on and I, people see them for the first time in a year they're like oh your gloves are back Another we're so thing. happy right. to see them
1: no that's exactly uh, what you have to do matt you can't uh, you can't question yourself too much on a signature look like that like you have to own that sort of accessory
0: so, the thing is that, like, obviously, like, these gloves are made out of cloth, and so they are, you know, susceptible to the ravages of time. Yeah. And so, when the first pair wore out, I just went online and I found an identical pair, and I wore those for a couple of years. But, Dave, those pair are also wearing out, um. and I can't find the same pair. Like, I think the company just stopped making them. I, I, I spent hours online trying to search for anywhere that I could find these things, like, Amazon, eBay, like, going to whatever, like, weird... Like, trying to Google the name of the company. It's, like, this Japanese, like, glove and accessory company. Huh. Uh, I and couldn't just find anything just there. Stopped. Like, they still make other gloves, but these ones, they don't make anymore. And so I have had a to... a real bummer. I know. It's, like... It was a really emotional moment for me when I had to realize that, just, like, I can't get them anymore. Like, they're gone. But... I was able to find a pair of gloves that is, while not the same, they are still like fingerless leopard print, like cloth knit gloves. And they're a little smaller and they're a little less comfortable, but maybe I just need to break them in a little bit. But I do have the new pair and I've been field testing them for a day or two. Um, and I have gotten the sort of same comments from people as though I had just pulled my old ones back out. So I maybe if you haven't been staring at them for five years, you don't uh, just like necessarily notice right away. Yeah, I was that gonna they say
1: they're close enough. Like you put, you showed me two pictures of them next to each other, and it took me like a hot second to realize like which one was the original. So. So I think it'll be okay,
0: but it's been, it has been an emotionally trying part of my week. So I just thought I would share it all with you. So if you see me out on the streets and see my gloves, know that they are new, but in spirit, they are the same. Uh, Dave, then what is our, gosh, where are we? Fourth star of the week?
1: Sure. Uh, Just real quickly, it's fall. We're getting into fall, which is very exciting. And the specific exciting thing about this is that I got my first cider of the year yesterday, Matt. Oh. I, uh, I know you love a cider. I am. I'm, a, I'm kind of an apple cider fiend. Uh, I don't drink as much of it as I used to because it's super sugary. But I'm, I'm kind of an apple cider fiend. Like, I just love it so much. And you can... Okay, listen. Here's the deal. You can get cider all year round. Oh, sure. But it's not the same... Like it's different in the fall and I feel like you can tell, at least I can tell. Maybe it's just a thing I've created in my mind that I can tell the difference, but I, I feel like I ha- can't tell the difference. So I got my first cider of the year. Now I do know a guy that does unpasteurized cider, like raw cider and it gets sort of like vinegary and fizzy pretty quickly. And uh, that's the real that's the real deal. I'm waiting for him to get some production going.
0: You know, I, I will tell you, Dave. I obviously I love apple cider, and I love like a hard cider, especially like a dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which is I feel like, and I feel like the thing that you're describing—that sort of unpasteurized, sort of like fizzy, semi-fermented stuff—is like halfway in between those two. And it I is exactly. Do not, and I do not like it. Oh no, no, oh, like man, if, that's like my
1: favorite. Like I will my... get,
0: I will get yeah. cider and let it sit for a week to get it to that. I know. And listen, I, I want you to know that I respect your decision. It's just not for me. I like I want something on. I'm very black and white on my cider, Dave. I want it soft or hard and like ne'er the two shall meet. <laughs> actually, speaking of drinks, Dave, uh, spe- specifically speaking of alcoholic drinks. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, and this is not actually like part of cider or part of this star, I guess, but it's we're talking about drinks and it was an interesting thing that happened yesterday um i went to a local bar called the spotted owl and the spotted owl is a place that i go like once every six months because their drinks are like legitimately amazing but they are also legitimately 15 dollars.
1: i think we've talked about this place before
0: yeah um but i like to you know treat myself once every you know like twice a year or something Mm -hmm. um and we went in yesterday and they had recently changed the menu and Dave, it was it was as though they knew I was going to be coming in. <laughs> <laughs> this menu w- was based and Wait, themed uh, around... Wait, fantasy or history? History. Oh, nice. Uh, it was based and themed around the life and death of Cyrus the Great, Emperor of Persia. Wow, that's awfully specific. I know. And the whole menu, like every page of the signature cocktail menu was like titled like chapter 1 like the birth of Cyrus and there was a like a quote from Xenophon or Herodotus or Herodotus and like there was like based on like some stuff from the early life of uh, Cyrus, they'd be like, okay, so like here's a drink, sort of like using these components.
1: Was it uh, like Mediterranean ingredients,
0: or well, was it? Yeah, sort of. Because the the thing was that originally they had wanted to do like a Silk Road themed menu, oh. and they were trying to find a sort of uh, a slice of time where a bunch of uh, specific sorts of ingredients would have all been going through the Silk Road at the same time, okay. but they weren't. But they weren't able to quite make that happen because there was a lot of like historic, like it didn't historically overlap super well. Mm. And so instead they just sort of like landed on Cyrus and sort of went from there. So I got this drink that was, it was ultimately sort of a martini because uh, okay. it was, it was mostly gin based. But instead of using vermouth, which is of course a fortified wine, they just used like a dry white wine and then added other things to sort of fortify it. So there was like. Well, I'll saffron be. water and orange bitters and like salt and cinnamon and like all sorts of like weird crazy flavors and instead of an olive there was a champagne pickled almond like this drink was buck wild it was amazing <laughs> Dude, and, like it sounds I... like there's a lot of flavors in that like it like that sounds like a crazy overwhelming flavor profile but like it was put together in such a way that it was like very like there was obviously like layers to it but like it was very like harmonious and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. harmonious. Like it didn't
1: just like kick you in the teeth. I generally scoff when someone uses the phrase mixologist. Yeah, me too. But I, like it's kind of laughable, right? Yeah, but at that point I feel like you've got a pretty decent claim. Yeah, oh, Matt. Matt, this is crazy. Something just hit my desk. I've got some breaking news. Breaking news, is it? Yeah, Matt. It's Baby Watch. <gasps> we interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby Watch.
0: Okay, Dave, well then what is this fifth and final star of the week, this Baby
1: Watch? This week in Baby Watch, Matt, uh, both Sugar Bean and Buddy Bear have started using quote-unquote words, and by that I mean... They a lot of words ma- can be in quotes. Yeah. Well, by that, I mean they are making sounds that they're making consistent sounds that mean the same thing every time they make them. Oh, okay. So when Buddy Bear does not like something, he will go, na na na, Right. But it's like the same sound every time. And he's clearly, I think, trying to say no. And also, he is starting to stand a tiny bit on his own. Like he's pulling himself up and then letting go of things and standing for like, Seven or eight seconds on his own, which is oh, very awesome. Exciting. Yeah. So that's it. That's Baby Watch. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, you know what else is awesome, Dave? Ninja
0: Sentai Cocker Ranger. We're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to watch this episode and we will be right back.
1: Ninja, Ninja!
0: Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 49 of Kaka Ranger. Uh, it ruled
1: and we're yeah. going to talk about it. Well, yeah, that is pretty much. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the structure of the show here. That's, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like they could have predicted that.
0: Unless it's their new episode, man. We could we probably get new people all the time. Probably. I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Those people probably aren't starting with episode 49 of season three. But you know what? It's uh, it's a wild and wacky world out there, Dave. And people do all sorts of stuff. Anyway, so speaking of speaking of this episode, Dave, why don't we get into it? Yeah, let's do it, man. Well, uh, we start off, all of the Cocker Rangers are in Nekamaru. They are driving around. They are singing a happy song about driving around in Nekamaru.
1: Yes. So they are, I think, by the seaside? At first, I thought they were on a wharf, but, well, wharfs are by the seaside. I thought they were, like, at the docks, which also are by the seaside. Sorry, let me rephrase that. I thought they were driving literally on a dock. I think they were just driving on an actual road that is by the seaside. Oh gotcha okay I'm just so'm just so conditioned to see docks where maybe there are none. <laughs> you're just slowly going mad. Sentai. yeah, listen so Dave the, everything
0: exists in either a warehouse, a dock, or a quarry, and anything that you see otherwise is just somewhere on that like seaside it's on the property yeah your quarry never warehouse
1: spectrum right. So, well, listen, man, Japan is not a large place and it's surrounded on a lot of sides by oceans. That's true. That's true. It's fair. So they pick up this hitchhiker. There's this guy who is just like on the road and they, they pick up this hitchhiker and they say like, hey, you know, like, sure, of course, hop on. Which, you know, like, I would not be one to pick up hitchhikers, but maybe if I were a ninja superhero, I'd be less worried about it. Right, especially, like, five ninja superheroes in a magic
0: truck. Like, if stuff goes down, A, they are the ones to deal with it, so they should probably be on the front lines. And B, like, they're pretty well-situated. Yeah, like, they're good.
1: So, they actually They let the guy on, and
0: he's, like, a middle-aged business dude, right? He's got, like, a suit, he's got glasses, he's got a briefcase.
1: Yeah, So they say, you know, like, so what's up, friend? Like, where are you headed? And he says, oh, well, I am going back. I'm finally going back to see my family. I haven't seen them in five years. Because I think he had a business and his business failed. And so he had to go to the city to work. And he just literally hasn't been back in five years, which seems...
0: Yeah, and and from what I what it seemed like, it wasn't just that his business failed. It was like his business failed, and also he lost all the money that other people had invested in his business. Yeah, and so, so he, he had... has just been working like like you know twenty four seven for the last five years to get enough money to get himself out of debt and pay back all of his creditors.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he has chosen. By the way, this will become relevant later. He has chosen to repay his creditors. By bringing back an envelope full of cash, it's just a big paper sack full of money like <laughs> that, like cartoon Scrooge McDuck style. That is how this dude is transporting five years worth of additional earnings. And also, like, man, Japan has a lot of trains, and train tickets are not that expensive. I feel like you could have gone back at some point in the last five years. I don't know, man. You know, it's, it's one of those things
0: that I, I just have to chalk up to a cultural difference, because we'll also listen, like, we will see episodes where people will be like, oh, yeah, I've been living with my mother or my grandfather or something, because my dad had to go work somewhere for a long time. and just, like, hasn't been back. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Good. Point. So, like, maybe so, it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's a thing that, like, the state of public transit in like those parts of Japan in the early '90s was not actually as good as we currently think that it was.
1: Man, I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you what I, I, do I would know be actually if anything, listeners that know is... about that. I would be super <laughs> interested because I feel like it's
0: something that comes up a lot more than I would ever have expected.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know that, Matt. But what I do know is that pondering the state of 1990s Japanese uh, transit infrastructure is not funny. So, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I can say that one definitively. But the Rangers are touched by this. They, like, they hear this story and they're like, oh my gosh, like, what a! it's so wonderful. You're going back to see your family and also like you've discharged your duty. And so they all, they're, like, they're all crying. Uh, Sasuke oh, yeah. is the best. Because everybody else is totally okay with crying, except they, (laughs) they look up at Sasuke, who's driving and desperately trying to not cry. Well, I think that,
0: I honestly, I I saw this, and my initial thought was that Sasuke was trying to be responsible because he is the one driving, and if he starts, like, openly bawling, he's not going to be able to see the road.
1: (laughs) so
0: i mean i guess they could just put it on nekumaro like autopilot but they, yeah, have I was gonna a, say, they seem to not do that a lot
1: which i don't man if i had like a magical cat driving i'd be napping i'd be making crepes in the back oh maybe nekumaro is napping it's a okay. cat good point good point like maybe somehow like its cat
0: brain can take a nap and its car body can stay like active
1: Yeah, uh, well, cats can nap anywhere, and for very, very short periods of time, that's why we call them catnaps, so, but however, okay, however it is that they manage to get this dude home, they get him home, and what was his name, Matt? I forgot to write it down here, and it doesn't show up
0: again until later. Uh, I'm going to be real honest, I was hoping that you had written that down. In my notes, he is
1: just dad or father through the entire episode. Okay, so they get dad home. And it's a happy reunion, and his he's got a wife and two kids. And, like and they, all,
0: they run out to meet him. And oh, that's like, great. You, you can tell that he was not kidding about not having gone home, because when he sees them, he's like, oh my gosh, you've grown so big. Like He turns to the wife and says, "Like oh, it must have been so hard for you. And she is like, I, I know, it must also have been hard for you being away from us for so long. We're so
1: happy to have you back. Nothing will ever take us apart again. Yeah, this is like, this is genuinely, this is a fantastic moment. And so, and then we get another great moment where the Rangers are all looking at it and then I I forget who it is, but they turn to Suruhime and they're like, Suruhime, you and your dad are next. Like, we're going to get you guys back together. This is going to be rad. So, so they dip. Right, because like, so far as they know, this
0: is not a Cocker Ranger responsibility. This was just a like, hitchhiker drop yeah, off this responsibility is just a, a
1: decent human being responsibility uh, i say even though i am on record as saying that i would not pick up hitchhikers.
0: <laughs> so they drive away and we cut away to this
1: week's yokai who is creepy looking yeah okay so his name is bin bogami and he is an evil clown fox goblin yeah yeah that's right yeah with m-plate style mouths on his shoulders and knees and if you are not one of the
0: ten people who remember early issues of Generation X, and Plate is a dude who had mouths on his hands.
1: Oh, bro! And Plate is back. And Plate is back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You clearly are not keeping up with all all new X Men. Is that where he is? I don't know. Because uh, on a team. But I need to because I love that dude. Is DoA back as well? Uh no, I don't believe so. So, anyways, yeah, he's heart, got just breaking like, my heart, dude. He's got like weird. What was that guy's deal? I don't. I never understood him. Um, he used those hands to, like... No, 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 sort I'm of sorry. Like, Empley, I get. I was asking oh, okay. about DOA. Oh, right. it was like, know, what... he was like a little dude.
0: He was this little gray dude with a funny little hat that said DOA on it. I don't know.
1: So, anyways, Gami has, like, fanged mouths on his shoulders and knees, which uh looks weird. I guess if you were to get in, like, a fist fight with someone, those would be good places to have, because, like, someone's going to grab your shoulder, and then they're going to gonna get fanged yeah uh
0: he's also wearing sort of like a like a ringmaster jacket sort of thing it's not red but it's like it's that yellow yeah, yeah, of yeah. Jacket. yeah
1: he's an evil clown fox goblin
0: honestly he gave me vibes of like early chucky e. cheese okay I don't know why, man. Maybe it's because I used to work at Chuck E. Cheese and so I just sort of like see him everywhere.
1: I was going to say, I feel like you have a different relationship with Chuck E. Cheese than like the vast majority of people.
0: I think it was the snout and like the tie and
1: jacket. Okay, yeah, for sure. Uh, So anyways, so he looks, Binbogami shows up and he is looking around at what can only be described as like very reasonably like moderate middle class Semi-rural Japan. Oh, yeah.
0: Like, when he dropped this... When the Kakarangers dropped this dude off, like, it was at an apartment building. Which, listen, I live in an apartment. Apartments can be great. But, like, you know, this is not
1: some beautiful home.
0: Like, this is not Surahime's
1: house. The key here is that nobody that is in this area is living a life of fantastic luxury. And Gami starts going on about, like, how they spend all their money... Like, I think Binbogami just disapproves of the bourgeoisie. Well, Maybe? What,
0: what he says is even though the economy is failing, humans are still craving luxury, and this is unacceptable. Like, they've already got everything they need. Like, I'm going to take it all away from them.
1: Yeah, so he, he's he got this two-sided staff, and he, like, spins it around, and he hits one side of it on the ground, and he yells, Binbogami, poor beam. And, uh, like, this energy beam shoots out, and... Everything that this energy beam touches immediately becomes broken down and shabby, and everybody's clothes disappear, and they're just wearing like socks with rope tied around their waists.
0: Uh, so basically, this dude represents like all of my fears come to life.
1: Oh, uh, uh, hmm. Wow, Matt. Uh, I was not expecting that level of, like, personal disclosure. Hey, man, listen, I'm just being honest. Like, as <laughs> a dude... Listen, as a dude who went
0: through the saga of, like, having two broken down cars, like, in a row, and, like, for a while I lived in, like, a attic apartment where the walls were full of squirrels, and, like, having finally gotten out of that, if a monster came up and zapped all my stuff and made it the way that it was, like, ten years ago... I would just like it would not be a good moment for me. I would not handle that well. <laughs> well,
1: it's not a good moment for anybody because a bunch of other people show up like just extras that come in from off stage and they like the money has disappeared from their wallets and and uh you know like Although they're all, all of, okay,
0: all of their like pants and shirts are gone and are replaced with like sacks with and like rope belts. All of their like all of the things in their houses are changed. So like the nice art on the wall is now just like a bad poster that's like hanging at a funny angle. The one thing that all of them still have in like the exact same state
1: is they all have their wallets, but there's nothing in them. I don't think that their sacks still have pockets in them, but they all have their wallets. No no that makes perfect sense Matt. That is Bin Bogami's move Because if you didn't have your wallet, you might not think about the fact that it's empty. So he leaves you your wallet, but then gets rid of everything in it. So you're, like, more acutely aware of what he's done to you. Yeah. So, like, there's a woman who had just gone to the
0: bank to get some money. There's a guy who had just come back from, like, the horse tracks and had won a killing. (laughs) I
1: forgot about that guy. That dude I feel less bad for. I'm going to be honest. So, more importantly, Dad... And remember how we said that, like, all of Dad's money to pay his debt was just in an envelope? It's gone, too. Yes.
0: So everyone is now, like, running out of the building and, like, sort of in a panic. Because, like, the whole building is now, like, kind of in shambles. Yeah,
1: everybody freaks out. And Gami, he doesn't even front as a human. He just rolls up in yokai form and says, hey, what up? Uh, I'm Gami. I have done this to you. I have taken away all your money. And then Skull Castle comes flying in. And he says, however, if you serve Daimau, I will restore all of your wealth. And this ploy works immediately. Right.
0: So here's what happens is he flips his staff around to the other side, bangs it on the ground. It zaps the wallet of the woman who had just been to the bank. And her wallet now has all her money back in it. Now, I think what's important to note here. Is that she has not been restored to all of her stuff. Like, she's still wearing the sackcloth. Her building is still in shambles. She just has, like, the money in her wallet back. Yes. And immediately, she's like, oh, praise Daimao!" Like... Yeah. So it's every... not as though that her, she has been restored. It's like everything has been taken away, and a modicum of
1: it has been given back, and she's immediately like going to serve this dark master. So she and everyone else around her, well, almost everyone else around her, immediately fall to their knees and start calling out like praise Daimo. and then Bimbo Gami puts like a mark on their forehead. This episode gets like real, and like
0: Kakaranger does not often get like real and raw. But, like, this episode really does. And it does it pretty quick. Yeah. uh, So these dudes are not being mind controlled. Like, like, every other time we see, like, armies of regular dudes who are working for the yokai, it's because they got shot by a gun that turned them into a minotaur or something. Or, like, a sickle weasel fed them a weird poison that turned them into a half yokai. These dudes are just like, oh, yeah, give us our money back and we will serve you.
1: Well, I think when he puts the mark on their forehead, that does serve as formal, like a form of mind control, because th- we'll see something later in the episode. But this is definitely okay. Like, listen, guys, I don't know if y'all have read the Book of Revelation, but like, if you have, like, this episode strikes real, real close to home. It's very weird to me. <laughs> It is a
0: weirdly, like, biblical episode of this, like, ninja superhero show.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting to be as creeped out as I was. So, um, anyways, the one thing that, the only people that refuse this is the son, because there's dad, son, daughter, and wife. Uh, so the son leans out of the window, and he says, I, like, never, like, we, it doesn't matter what you do to us, we'll never serve the yokai. It's great. Good job. And he just runs away. He yeah.
0: runs away from his family. His family were not bowing down to Daimyo. Like, there's no reason for him to have run away from those dudes.
1: Well, I think he just books it, because the rest of the family books it with him. And then everybody who has, like, signed up on Team Bimbogami starts chasing them.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, the, um, the son's name is Kenichi. I don't know if that's relevant, oh, but cool. it's the only name I wrote down.
1: So, so Kenichi, no, I'm not going to, he's, he's son. I'm not going to give him a name and nobody else. So son is running and he, of course, like runs up on the Cocker Rangers who are like cleaning up after dinner service. And uh, he runs up and then his family follows him. And then Binbogami arrives with his army of peasants, yeah, I mean, listen, they're just like the regular,
0: like, middle-class dudes, or they were five minutes ago. But I now they, they do look like a, like, like a throng of peasants.
1: Yeah, so, so Bimbogami rhymes with his army of peasants, and he's like, uh, he makes some threat. The rangers turn around and are like, whatever, ninja superheroes, Henge. As they Henge, Binbogami hits them. With the poor beam. And the
0: results are amazing.
1: I think this is my single favorite visual shot so far in this entire show. So what happens is they get, like,
0: they do sort of half transform into their sort of Cocker Ranger outfits, right? Right. But those Cocker Ranger outfits are pretty nice.
1: Yeah, they're pretty like slick.
0: You, you probably couldn't afford those on a, you know, on a, on a laborer's budget.
1: You know, they no, were handed down we through
0: generations. So what what would it look like if you just went to a Goodwill and tried to put together a Cocker Ranger outfit, Dave?
1: Yeah, so they are all just wearing tracksuits of the appropriate color.
0: They are sort of all smudged and covered in, like, leaves and, like, just random
1: gunk. Yeah, and uh, they've all got helmets on, sort of. Sort of. of uh they are wearing i think one of them has a pot a couple of them have like wash basins uh sasuke has the best one where he's
0: got like a red baseball batting helmet oh that's right i forgot about that uh and also like they're all sort of broken apart and put back together with duct tape
1: yeah all of their gear is also messed up like they have swords but they're like rusted and busted up Oh, yeah, like Jiraiya is like, ah, like, forget this. This is
0: stupid. I'm just going to attack. Jumps over to attack uh, Binbogami, hits him with his katana and realizes that, like, oh, this katana is just a solid piece of rust and it has fallen into seven pieces now.
1: Yeah. So uh, they do go for Cocker Ranger Ball. him. So he's like, Kakaranger Ball. And then he hits Kakaranger Ball with it. Which, okay. This now, I think, actually tells us something interesting about Cocker Ranger Ball is that it is summoned from some sort of, like, extra dimensional space. Because wherever it was, Surihime didn't have it on her when she got hit with the poor beam the first time.
0: Right, but she was holding it the second time, and so it turns from this like Kaku Ranger branded like rugby ball into like a like
1: a it's like plastic, a kid's
0: bouncy ball, yeah. yeah, like a kid's plastic like kickball bouncy ball thing. It's pink. It's got a, like a little cartoon picture of a cat on it.
1: Right. <laughs> so they're like, oh, geez, um, crap. And I think Jiraiya says, like, Sasuke, summon the shark drivers. so Which we they have summon... not seen in ages. Yeah. So I am pretty sure that this episode comes up just before some big toy buying thing. Because they hit everything in this episode. So they summon the shark drivers. They're just like, you know, like Ninpo summoning shark driver. And then and they, they and all they... jump on the shark drivers. And so if it's been a while since you've seen the shark drivers,
0: um, they are there are three motorcycles... All sort of shark-themed.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's a red one, a blue one, and a yellow one. Yeah, and the
0: blue one and yellow ones have little, like... They're not exactly sidecars because you don't sit in them. Yeah. They're, they're like, like, if a, if a sidecar was a platform that someone could, like, crouch on
1: and, like, jump off and on. It's a ninja sidecar. It's for... It's for ninja-ing. Yeah. 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 So then so, uh then the shark driver Oh, and then they like form together and make a ramp and then the red shark driver like launches off and just crashes into bad guys.
0: Yeah, shark driver rules. So I missed that thing. I don't know why we didn't see it more often. We Why did we get Cocker Ranger Ball so many times and not the shark driver?
1: Uh, man, I don't know. That's that's a really good question actually cuz shark driver is a million times cooler than Cocker Ranger Ball. Okay, so anyways, they, they jump on their shark drivers, and they're about to launch off, and the shark drivers get hit with poor beam, and they just become bicycles that are attached to, like, flatbeds.
0: Yeah, it's just, like, a crummy, like, a wooden flatbed with, a, like, a dumb little wheel on the side. And, like, it doesn't balance very well, and, like, I think Seikai tries to ride it forward anyway, but the pedals, like, aren't connected to anything. Yeah. <laughs> I straight <laughs> totally up busted good. out laughing when this happened.
1: So... So, yeah, this does, by the way, lead to all sorts of questions like, are their powers derived from their suits? Can they not do anything without without the suits? Uh, anyways, so, Nekamaru, we don't get answers to these questions because Nekamaru just rolls up. Uh, because the peasant army is charging forward, Nekamaru, like, gets in their way, and he opens up his side doors, and the family and the rangers jump in. He starts to drive away, but does not get away quickly enough for Bimbogami to not use poor beam on Nakamaru himself.
0: And I'll tell you, dude, seeing the poor beam hit the car and then like... So what happens when it hits Nakamaru? Is was, this like, a trigger? was this a trigger for you, Matt? It, honestly? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, me, me and my cars have been through some stuff and this, this was a... This, was, this is this is literally the stuff of nightmares for me. Okay, um, so
1: uh, basically what happens is that Nekumaru just kind of breaks down. Sort of. Because he, he's yeah. still a magical cat truck.
0: So but like, like, it's moving sort of sluggish and like the brakes don't really work and the steering wheel pops off. Yeah, and if so, you see the outside of it, it's all been sort of like taken apart and put back together with that same sort of like duct tape patching.
1: Yeah, here's my... Okay, so like the steering wheel comes off and everybody freaks out. Nakamura drive himself like all the time. He literally was driving himself thirty seconds ago. Why does it matter that the steering wheel is gone? Uh, dude, I, if if I I feel like if I knew no, listen, the answer I'm to that, saying, it would mean
0: that I knew the answer to a lot of other stuff. You know,
1: uh, like there's a bunch of other st- like the windshield could have fallen out and they could have gotten hit in the face with bugs or, like, lose a wheel or something. Uh, but anyways, okay. So the family, as they're driving, something. Uh, the family, except for dad, kind of falls out the back of Nakamaru. Right, because the back
0: of Nakamaru is no longer, like, held together super well, and so the door that goes into the back, because, you know, it's like a little bus, so it's got a yeah. door going out the back, um, that just sort of, like, pops open, and, like, the mom and two kids fall out the back. Yes. They are immediately, like, the, the Yokai and Dorodoros, like, run up on the family immediately and capture them.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, they're pretty, like, because they were, like, pretty close anyways.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, they are running, okay, I say they are running very quickly. They are running at a regular speed, and the speed of the, like, film has been, like, cranked up or down, whichever way means that it looks like they're moving faster.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, e- either way. Despite this, uh, Nakamaru is continuing to drive, but this is where actually where we find well, out that the it, And it got no brakes. Yeah, this is where we find out that the brakes don't work. Uh because it is about to crash into like another semi truck or something. Right at this moment, Ninja Man arrives. Hooray. So Ninja Man does the classic uh hero in front of a car stop where he sort of like puts his arms out and then like slides backwards on his heels. You you know the move. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it stops like right before they crash into the other truck, and all the cocky rangers are like, "Oh man, Ninja Man, great as great. always,
1: great job." Uh, Dad, of course, is freaking out very recently sure, because I mean, his, his family... family did just fall out of the back of a yep.
0: recently ruined magical cat truck.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that he is having a day. So the next day, we flip away from there, uh, I guess he's just like, oh, "What are we gonna do?" And the rangers are like, "We'll help you." So, we go from there, and the family is in a cage, in a quarry. Surrounded by the, like, slave peasants. Yeah. So, we just, you know, imminent danger. We flash back to the rangers, and uh, Sasuke is just reading a piece of paper, and the subtitle for a piece of paper just says, Written Challenge, <laughs> which is great. Uh, so... Binbogami, I guess, has, like, formally called out the rangers. Yeah, he's like, you know, come
0: to the quarry. I'm going to mess you up. I've got this like, family. Very... If you don't show up, I'm going to kill you. Yeah.
1: So, Dad laments his fate. He obviously has had it pretty rough. And uh, he goes to the rangers and he's just like, you guys got to help me. Clearly, there's something up with you. Like, you guys have a, a whole thing going on. Right, and if you can
0: help me and just get my family back together. Like, it doesn't matter if we're still poor. Like, if we're together, like, none of that matters. Like, we'll be okay.
1: Yeah, so, great job, Dad. Uh, So we flash over to Binbogami, who is taking a smoke break?
0: Oh, I'm sorry, real quick, Dave. Um, b- right before that, like, after he says the bit about poverty being nothing if the family is together, Ninja Man
1: is so moved by this oh, that's that he right. immediately runs off. Yeah, because Ninja Man is 12 years old. So we flash from there, like I said, and Binbogami is taking a smoke break. Which is weird, because is he's got this odd. giant monster mouth
0: that, like, you know, you could not close around a cigarette.
1: Yeah, uh, Ninja Man arrives. He's flying in
0: on his giant cloud. Yeah. But, uh, Gami is not interested in that giant cloud. Uh, he would rather it be trash, like literal a literal bag of trash. Yeah, and so, so he snaps he... it with his poor beam, and it and... just becomes like a big <laughs> white garbage bag full of old leaves.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so, well, Ninja Man himself also gets hit. And so his armor's all like, they don't make a different Ninja Man costume because Ninja Man's costume basically is his armor. But the armor's all like broken and patched and stuff. So at this point, uh, Ninja Man kind of retreats. Either he, No, he doesn't retreat, but like he just the Rangers. falls. Yeah, he just falls. And he wasn't quite close enough because the Rangers catch up to him. And they're like, we really are not sure what we're going to do about this. And the dad is sort of despairing. Like he's freaking out. Right.
0: And Ninja Man says like, oh, this is Binbogami. Okay. You know, I remember my masters at one point telling me about Binbogami. And I don't know if this knowledge is going to be useful to you at all. But like, I can tell you what I know about the dude.
1: Yeah. So what he says is that Binbogami is a. It's sort of weird. Like we get the impression that he used to be a
0: dude, and like everything is like colored weird, so you can like look at it and be like, yes, this is old, and it is weird because the way that Ninjaman describes this story, it's that Binbogami, they say like, oh, he used to be a moneylender. Yes. But it seems as though like you said like he wasn't a yokai money lender initially like he became a yokai later.
1: Yeah. Well, I was I was over at your place the other day Matt and I was reading that uh night parade of a 100 demons or something Thousand, like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it actually and I had not I hadn't read the book before obviously and it actually seems like a lot of yokai start out as people okay well in that case this would make total sense yeah so like a lot of them show up as people and then or they show up sorry they start off as people and then something happens like oh when they die you know they something about them me right them like r- linger as a yokai or whatever so what happened was this
0: dude was a moneylender and he like totally ripped off all the people in his village And he got super rich while everyone else got super poor. Yeah. And then eventually, like, he's sitting in his house. There's like a Dark
1: Knight Returns moment.
0: Yeah, like, he's sitting in his house and he's counting all his money. And all of a sudden, like, the window and doors, like, burst open. And on the other side are all of the villagers who just shout, die, and then run in on him. Yeah. So so they don't (laughs) don't, don't kill him. But there's, like, a riot and... Uh, like, they take all of his money. From, yeah, it is a like riches to rags moment for this
1: dude. Riches yeah. to Riot to Rags. And then so, ah, the old Triple R. Gotta watch out for that one. And oh, yeah. so he like wanders the earth as a poor dude, and then when he dies, he becomes right. Bin like Bogami. He, he claims vengeance
0: on people like, I'll make
1: everyone poor. Yeah. So we flash back and so that's kind of like his deal is that Gami wants to be rich. And, uh, you know, he has got this, this messed up relationship with money. So we flash back to Gami, who has, I guess, just been chain smoking because we he drops another cigarette and we look down at his feet. And this dude has smoked like two packs. Yeah, it's a lot. And I, I have to, ass- okay,
0: now that I'm thinking about it, I have to assume that this is like to mark the passage of time. Because previously he had been smoking one, and now, you know, if it takes, what, like probably five minutes or something to smoke a cigarette? Yeah, like five or so, six minutes. Know, now he's been waiting an hour.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, no, more than that, dude. Uh, a lot more than that. But anyways, so <laughs> so he has smoked uh, far too many cigarettes. That's not healthy, ben Bogami. And uh, while he is doing this, just money like, coins start literally raining down on Beautiful his army of Beautiful golden peasants. coins. Beautiful golden coins. The peasant army abandons Binbogami immediately and start, like, scrambling for coins. Like, they're all desperately trying to gather up these coins. We so, cut to the
0: cocky rangers who are up on the cliff of the quarry with, like, treasure... Like, small treasure chests full of coins. Yeah. they're throwing handfuls of them.
1: Yeah. So, uh... W- at first, we ask ourselves, where did the rangers get all of this? Because they did get hit with a poor beam, as did Nakamura, which is where they store all those stuff. Uh, but bimbogami is furious that they are giving money to his army of poor people. Wait, you still have poor beam, dude. Just hit all the golden coins with poor beam. Ah, but he
0: doesn't want to hit all the golden coins with poor beam, Dave. He wants those golden coins because when he sees... All of his, like, poor army scrambling for these gold coins. He has a flashback to the riot originally. And so he runs in. He's like, no, no, it's my gold. It's my gold. You can't take it. Like, this belongs to me. And he has such an intense flashback that not only does he, like, lose his concentration on, like, maintaining the power of the poor beam, but he also reverts to his, like, weird human form from what he looked like in the flashback.
1: Yeah, I gotta be honest, dude. Like, I actually feel super bad for Bin Bogami because he very clearly, like, all the other yokai are, like, just monsters. Whereas Bin Bogami just seems like he has a very damaged relationship <laughs> with, like, part yes. of the world around him. And it's like, oh, Bin Bogami, like, I mean you're a, you're a very very bad man. I mean you're a monster. But like like we could talk it out, dude. Like we could we you could figure it out. Like you need to go to counseling. Like we're going to get you some help, Binbogami. Uh we're not. That, well, I mean we are. And the help is that you're going to get punched in the face just so <laughs> right. so so hard. Uh so he re- like you said, man, he reverts back to his Human form. Um, oh, and he drops the keys to the cage where uh, the family is being kept. Right. So somebody grabs those. They free the family. Dad. Okay. And then, like Matt said, he has like lost concentration on like maintaining the state of poorness for everybody. So like everybody flips back to normal, and so now all the civilians run. Right. And then uh, yeah. what we find out is that the rangers where they got the coins they didn't. It was a ninja trick. Oh,
0: dude, I love ninja tricks. You know how I feel about ninja tricks, Dave.
1: Yeah, it was like ninpo gold something or other. Fool's gold, yeah. Fool's gold, yeah. And Jiraiya holds up one of the pieces and it just turns into a leaf, which is like some classic fairy stuff, which oh, is Oh, yeah, dude. So uh, they made him so greedy that he lost his powers, kind of, because he, he does immediately get them back again because he just turns back into his yokai form and then they fight.
0: Yeah, well he summons a bunch of Dorodoros and what's weird is that like all of the Rangers, you know, super henge and they go to fight the Dorodoros. But what's weird is that they don't inter- they don't have like the roll call and introduce themselves before the fight. They transform and then they jump into the fight and you'll see like Sasuke fight for a minute and then he'll finish up beating up a couple of Dorodoros by saying,
1: like, you know, like I'm Ninja Red, check me out. Ninja Man, um, Sasuke. Well, man, this is, like, like I said, uh, I am fairly confident that this must be around, like, a toy purchasing time, and they are just reminding all those kiddos of the cool, cool toys that they could buy. Yeah. Because we saw Kaku Ranger Ball, and we saw the Shark Drivers, and each ranger introduces themselves individually. And then, of course, we are going to see, we see Ninja Man and Samurai Man, and Kakarai Dai Shogun, or they see, we see, yeah, Kakarai Dai Shogun, and then Super Samaru, and then also Mataki Shogun. Like, we just see everybody. I don't think we see Super this episode. Oh, do we not? I just... Dis- oh no, you're right. We don't see Super Samaru. Well, anyways, we see oh, all the rest but of them.
0: Ninja Man did get his own like tagline in the roll call.
1: Oh he, yeah, that's he-
0: right. Uh, ally of justice, I think he says. Yeah, he said an ally of justice. Ninja Man. It
1: yeah. Very cool. So there is. It's mostly just like a standard fight, but there is a cool moment where Binbogami shoots the poor beam at. I forget which one of them, Sasuke. but Mute- Thank you, but Muteki Shogun. Well, no, it's when they go giant.
0: Oh well, this actually happens twice because they because tr- he tries to shoot them again with the poor beam, but Sasuke like reflects it off of his katana and zaps it up into the flying skull castle, and so it hits. Oh, that's uh, right. It it's Daimyo and Daimyo goes like super like shabby and poor for a minute,
1: uh, which is awesome. So then we get uh, we do they do Cocker ranger ball. Then they go giant. Everybody goes giant. God beasts, Kakurai shogun, et cetera. Uh, Binbogami goes to shoot ninja man with the poor beam. And Muteki Shogun shows up and he reflects the beam back to Binbogami. So now Binbogami is poor, uh, which is very, he's super bummed out about that. And
0: like they did not go all out to like make a new poor costume for him because it only shows up for like three seconds before they murdered this fool. They just sort of like draped some rags over it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, the only bummer is that we do not get Muteki Shogun yelling Muteki Shogun is here, which is a moment that I, I look forward to. So uh, they drop all their finishers. You know, it's like Samurai Rage Bomber, Flaming Shogun Sword, and then uh, Iron Fist Flying God Finish, whatever it is. And uh, so Binbogami dies, and his dying words are, I really, really wanted to be wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> which, so, again, come on, dude. Like, yeah, come, buddy. Let's... Buddy. So uh, let's talk our, this out. <laughs> our final scene is, uh, it's pretty short. It's the happy family. They're back together. Like everything is cool. Uh, the Rangers dip and then they're uh, in Nakamaru and they're just chilling out onto their next adventure. And then like, dude, next week is episode 50. Which yeah. means that like, it
0: feels like we ought to be hitting the end of this show. Like we ought to be in like those end
1: game episodes. And this does not feel it's, like one of those episodes. Yeah, it was a good episode. Not. Well, there's like four. Four more episodes after. Listen, we'll talk about like the weird pacing of this show in a wrap-up episode because yeah. it is it is strange and weird and it and it gives the show like a, a weird vibe. But uh, speaking of our next great adventure, Matt, let's uh, let's roll over to the creature royale. Oh yeah, see how uh, see how
0: Bingo Gami faces. And if you were wondering, yes, I have been struggling the whole episode to not call him Bingo Mommy.
1: <laughs> so, um, okay, so I dig his look is weird, but it is at least interesting. It's like p- it is effectively spooky.
0: Yeah, his like a plan- lot of times things look like they are like meant to look scary and they actually don't. Like, this dude actually has a creepy look.
1: Yeah, he for sure. Uh, so he's got a very weird look. His plan is good and has the added narrative benefit of legitimately like creeping me out. Hmm. So I say, like, he gets big points for his plan, okay.
0: and also,
1: like, this just becomes like a really ex- like the nature of his weird powers makes us like a really funny episode, right? There's a lot of great, great sight
0: gags in this episode.
1: So, like, I'm looking pretty high, man. Like, he is actually, I think, one of my favorite Conquer Ranger monsters. Okay, well, let's then look at some sort of top-tier
0: Kakaranger monsters. Okay, so... I don't like him as much as Ushioni, the yokai, like, Minotaur rifleman.
1: No, 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 no. Ushioni is... that guy's amazing. So, he's not at an Ushioni li- level. I, I don't, don't
0: like him as much th- as Nui.
1: Yeah, uh, so let's just jump down... How do we feel about him
0: versus, like, Kitsune, the nine-tailed I was just going to say,
1: uh, Kitsune is above apartment building dimension, Heat wave hood, Iron Man, heat... Okay. Well, here's the gatekeeper, man. Is he cooler than Iron Mask Choryu? You You know what? If he is, I feel like he
0: is not that much higher because I am thinking of him, like, in contrast with Lipstick Songstress. Because Lipstick Songstress also, like had an army of, like, regular people that she turned against, the Rangers. Uh, But she also got, like, a cool two-parter. Yeah. Like, she was in, in, like, important episodes. I mean, as was
1: Iron Mask Choryu. Yeah. So, I I think... I think I like him better than... I don't think I like him better than Iron Mask Choryu. Because, like, that dude has so much, like and it was like a crazy two-parter and there's all sorts of stuff happening. I I don't actually know if I dig him more than Sarugami the Ninja Monkey, which is like just because it was such a crazy thing. I think I do like him more than Omukade the Football Centipede.
0: I mean, okay, listen. See, this is where the w- list gets weird because I do kind of think that I like him more than Lipstick Songstress, but I don't like him more than Omukade. <laughs> Um, I definitely okay. Here's my floor. I definitely like him more than Bakuki, the illusionist dude.
1: Okay. Um, I'm definitely comfortable with that. All right, man. So he's do we want to just oh, put it right oh, there? Well, cause okay, okay, wait. I because I had kind of forgotten about the fact that Omukade uh, gave us was, like the village also of Santa's Santa Claus? episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, I would say just below Omukade then. Okay, yeah, and let's just put him above Bakuki there. the illusionist.
0: So that drops him in at number, what is that, 26 on our list? Yeah, which is a pretty good showing, man. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of strong people on this list. And that, I think, is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocker Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, or if you want to check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. Tell a friend. Uh, just get you know, get the spread. Spread that old word. Yeah, the good word that is. <laughs> um, don't don't spread bad words about us. We would not appreciate it. Yeah, that, that would be bit. way less cool. Um. But what is cool, Dave, is that the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.
1: Cataculate!